Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. We're glad that you're joining us, whether online or in person or later in uh, this being 11 o'clock Sunday morning. We're in a series, Christmas series called Anticipating the Gift, Gift of God's Son. We talked about preparing mentally last week. Today we're talking about a very important topic, preparing emotionally. Now, would you agree with me, Christmas is a very emotional time. Uh, some of the emotions are positive and joy and joy of giving and joy of receiving, uh, celebrating Jesus' birth and those type things. But there's also a time of extreme uh, loneliness and depression and uh, negative emotions. And so it's a very emotional time. So I'm going to he- hopefully help uh, all of us prepare for this uh, Christmas season. Uh, we talked about, Pastor Clint talked about the missions offering. That's a very emotional thing to my wife and I. We were international missionaries in Portugal for years. And so we know this money helped us <laughs> do our work in Portugal. As we know, it helps over 3,500 missionaries in over 100 countries around the world. A couple statistics. Uh, along with these missionaries in the local churches, uh, t- over 12,000 new churches were started last year. 12,000. Uh, in over 2,500 languages, uh, over a half a million people heard the gospel. Uh, 90,000 new believers, almost 48,000 baptisms, as well as 33,000 people received uh, uh, theological education. So that's just part of what, just statistics, part, but we're talking about people, changing the lives of people. So hopefully you will prayerfully consider giving uh, to that missions offering. So it's a lot of emotions are involved in Christmas. So... uh, Let's try and be prepared. Let's, hopefully we are prepared. So I'd like to start off with reading a uh, portion of the Christmas story uh, from Luke, a very uh, powerful uh, narrative he describes uh, what happened 2,000 years ago. So we'll read through the text, and then we'll talk about how we can deal with some of these negative emotions. I'm going to call them Grinch emotions. But anyway, uh, let's read the text. Luke chapter 2. I'm going to read it from The Voice. It's a translation that relatively new. Each person, this was after Caesar Augustus demanded a census being taken of all the people, the reason being so they could collect the taxes. So each person had to go to his or her ancestral city to be counted. That's how they did it back then. Mary's fiancé, Joseph, from Nazareth in Galilee, kind of up north, had to participate in the census in the same way everybody else did. Because he was a descendant of King David, that's very significant that Jesus come from the line of David, His ancestral city was Bethlehem down near Jerusalem. That was David's birthplace. Now Mary, who was now late in her pregnancy, now it wasn't, you know, nine-month line, it was just late in her pregnancy, that the messenger Gabriel had predicted accompanied Joseph. So back eight and a half months ago or whatever it was, the angel told her about this, and so she was accompanying Joseph, her fiancé, to this census. Uh, Back then, when you were engaged, it was like being married. So while in Bethlehem, she went into labor. So it had been a while. She'd been there a while. It wasn't that night she arrived. That's kind of what all the pictures show. While she was there, she went into labor and gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped the baby in a blanket, laid him in a feeding trough because the inn had no room for them. Now, what we want to focus on is really the 
shepherds. So nearby in the fields outside of Bethlehem, a group of shepherds were guarding their flocks from predators in the darkness of night. We talked about last night when you don't have street lights. Most of us have street lights around. Our house, we don't. And when you turn our house lights off, it is dark. So they didn't have street lights back then. So they're out in, in, in the fields. Maybe they had a fire. I don't know. But it's pretty dark. So suddenly a messenger of the Lord stood in front of them and the darkness was replaced by a glorious light. So you go from darkness to light. It would be uh, shocking. And this shining light was of God's glory. So their response, like your response and my response would be what? What's happening? They were terrified. So the messenger speaks, the angel speaks. Don't be afraid. You don't need to be afraid. Uh, I know this is terrifying, this is surprising, but I'm not here to upset you. You need to relax because I've got an important message to tell you. And if you're frightened, you're not going to be listening. In fact, I'm bringing you good news. In fact, this is news of great joy, news that every, will affect people everywhere. Well, that's pretty amazing news. Today in the city of David, a liberator, this translation uses that word, has been born for you. Liberated for what? We'll talk about that in a few minutes. He is the promised anointed one, the supreme authority, we Jews would say, the Messiah. This is the promised Messiah. Now, you will know you have found him <clears throat> when you see a baby wrapped in blanket laying in a feeding trough. That, you don't see that every day. So at that moment, the first heavenly messenger was joined by thousands of other messengers. So originally, there was just the one angel. I don't think they, that God wanted to overwhelm <laughs> whelm the, the shepherds. So one angel, and now we got thousands of angels. At that moment, the first heavenly messenger was joined by thousands of other messengers, a vast heavenly choir. They praised God, worshiped God. That's what we've been doing so far in our service this morning. So the heavenly choir joins in and says this, to the highest heights of the universe, glory to God. It's all about giving glory to God. And on earth, <clears throat> peace among all people who bring pleasure to God. And as soon as the heavenly messenger disappeared into heaven, so we don't know the time frame, but then they, they go back into heaven, the shepherds were buzzing with conversation. I bet they were. <laughs> you and I would be too. Wow, what an amazing sight. So they said, let's rush down to Bethlehem right now. Let's not wait. Let's not wait till morning. This is too big. We need to find out. So let's see what's happening. Let's experience what the Lord has told us about. So they didn't walk, but they ran into town. Eventually, and it's not far, I'm sure, they eventually found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the feeding trough. So they had to find them. After they saw the baby, they spread the story of what had ex they had experienced and what had been said to them about this child. Angels, now, people probably didn't believe everything they said. Angels came and told us about this. We ran into town, and there it was, this baby in a feeding trough. Everyone who heard their stories couldn't stop thinking about it without its meaning. Okay, what's going on? What's this all about? What's it mean? Mary, too, pondered all these events, treasuring each memory in her heart. So how do you and I deal with the emotions of Christmas, especially the negative emotions? Well, we're going to look at four things the angel said to the shepherds to help us deal with four emotions. There's more. There's four we're going to cover this morning. So the first Grinch emotion we want to talk about 
is worry. Worry. Probably this Christmas more than any other, there's people are full of worry. Worry literally means to strangle. And that's what worry does to us uh, emotionally. It strangles our emotions. It strangles us uh, mentally. It paralyzes us. <clears throat> worry is just a form of fear. So the angels came to the shepherds. What did he say first? <clears throat> they were tar- terrified, but the angel reassured them and said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You don't need to be afraid. In fact, Scripture records approximately 365 times, don't be afraid or fear not. Um, I thought that, that's pretty cool. Every day I can get up and read a different one, and that's a reminder how I should deal with my day, is I don't need to be afraid. I don't need to be worrying about this and worrying about that. And literally, worry is a choice. Often we don't feel like it is. I can't stop. I I can't not worry. I can't stop worrying. No, no, it's a choice. I can either be afraid of whatever it is, or I can say, okay, God's telling me not to fear. Why? Um, Because he is bigger than whatever it is you and I are worried about. Now, when we worry, we often try and control the uncontrollable. For example, your kids go out and play. You may worry, oh, they're going to get hurt. Well, does your worrying about them keep them from getting hurt? Well, they still fall and skin their knees or whatever. Uh, when they get their driver's license, it kind of ramps up the worry, right? <laughs> and I've got uh, a, a grandson who just got his driver's license. So when he got out driving, I don't know about his parents, but it's easy to start worrying. Are they going to be okay? Now again, does you worrying about them driving make them drive safer? I don't think so. So it's just a simply useless emotion. It's a waste of time and energy to worry. So because of Christmas, we... I can release my fears. I can let them go. Why? Why? Well, we sang about Emmanuel. What's Emmanuel mean? God with us. So if God's with me, I don't need to be afraid. Let me use this illustration. Small child comes to a busy road. He's, he's afraid to cross because of the traffic and so forth. But the parent comes along and, and holds the child's hand. When the parent leads the child across the road, the child isn't afraid anymore. Why? Because they're trusting their loving parent to keep them safe. Well, those of us that are Jesus followers, we can claim the same promise, right? God's got our hand. He can, he can take us through whatever fear or worry that we're facing now, and we need not, need not be afraid. So, 2020 has been a crazy year, and people are worried about all kinds of things, and, and there's a natural concern about you know, the virus and about our kids' education, our grandkids' education and finances and, and so forth. Uh, 2021, none of us know, do we? And it's easy to start to worry about the future because we don't know and it's not been here. But we've managed to get this far. <laughs> so if we've gotten this far, the assumption is we can, we can go on. So what do you need? What is it you, you're afraid of? What are you worrying about. Uh, Jesus, early on in his ministry, addressed this topic. It's kind of interesting. We're not going to read it all, but at one point he says, can worrying about your height add anything to your height? Now, I remember when I was a teenager, I wanted to re- reach six foot. I don't know why, but I did reach six foot. Uh, but even if I hadn't, worrying about it wasn't going to change it, was it? So then he says it this way in Matthew chapter 6. 
So don't consume yourself with questions like, what, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What are we going to wear? Now, most of us don't worry about those things. I mean, I've got more shirts than I can choose from. I don't worry about which one to wear. But in that day, basic needs, people worried about. Um, but we have other worries. So outsiders, that means people that aren't Jesus followers. And if you're listening, we're glad that you're listening. But if, outsiders, this is a big deal. Uh, they make themselves frantic over such questions because you don't believe or can't bring yourself to believe that God's in control of this stuff, then you're going to be frantic. You're going to worry about everything. They don't realize that your Heavenly Father knows exactly what you need. And the implication is since He knows and He's a loving Heavenly Father, He's going to provide it. So there's this condition, though, in this promise. And the last verse in that chapter says this, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you. So this is a promise of, I like the word stability. You and I should be stable, emotionally stable. But there's a catch. Actually, there's two catches. First, you've got to be one of God's children. And anybody can be, invites everybody to be. And once you're one of God's children, you can, the catch is you've got to choose to seek his kingdom first rather than try and control the uncontrollable and worry and fret about these things. So the flip side is if you're a Jesus follower, your needs aren't getting met what does this, this promise tell you? Well, you've not got your priorities right. I don't have my priorities for it. I'm not seeking first God's kingdom. I'm seeking something else, and that's what's causing me to fret and worry. And what does it mean to put God first? Well, it just means worship. And we've been worshiping. It just means, like the angel saying, glory to God in the highest. That should be my focus. And it's really hard to do that and worry at the same time. In fact, pretty much impossible. So which do you prefer? Fret and worry, be afraid, or seek God's kingdom, worship, and not be afraid? Your choice, my choice. My, I would encourage you to, especially in this Christmas season, let go of your worry. Second Grinch emotion, doubt. Doubt. Now, it's a lot about Christmas is just kind of unbelievable, isn't it? Uh, the Bible story, uh, okay, this young girl, an angel, actually angels show up, couple, several, talk to her and talk to her fiancé and talk to the shepherds, and I don't even know if I believe in angels. And then she gets pregnant without sleeping with a man. That's hard to believe. And then even the Santa Claus thing. I, I remember as a kid believing that he was going to get to every house <laughs> that night and bring gifts down the chimney. I don't, I, as a kid, I didn't figure out the logistics of that. <laughs> <laughs> that's really not doable, is it? Uh, that's a, a lot of doubt about how that would happen. So, it's easy to be full of doubt in the Christmas season. Nobody doubts, as a historical fact, that this guy named Jesus lived in a place called, you know, uh, Israel today. So that's a fact he lived. But the question is, who was he? He was a historical figure, he was a real person, but who was he? And lots of people, even Muslims, will say he was a good teacher. But did Jesus ever say, hey, I'm a good teacher? He was a fantastic teacher, but he never said I was a that I'm a good teacher. What did he say? He said, I'm God. Okay. Now, if I said I'm God, what are you all doing? 
You're probably getting up and walking out of here, right? <laughs> or turning your, uh, this program off. Um, so you have three options when you're dealing with Jesus saying he's God. First, he's either a liar. We call these the three L's. He's either a liar. He knows he's not God, but he's saying, if I tell people I'm God and some people are going to believe me, I'm going to get this following. So he could can, you know, be a liar. He could be a lunatic, just simply crazy. Really think he was God and he wasn't. Or he's truly the Lord, Jesus Christ. He really was God. So you and I get to choose which we are going to believe. So the angel said, what did he say to the shepherds? I've come to bring you good news. In fact, the most joyous news the world has ever heard. I don't know what would be the most joyous news the world would ever hear other than this. That there's food to feed everybody. That there's no more disease. There's no more death. I mean, that's never going to happen, right? So this is the joyous news the world has ever heard. And it's for everybody everywhere. That's why missions International missions are so important. There's places in the world that people don't hear the gospel. In the United States, you can turn your radio on, get on the internet. Uh, it's everywhere. But there's some places it's not. So, God comes in a form of a baby. Why a baby? Well, one thought that people have shared is nobody's afraid of a baby. If he were to come with a flaming sword like he's going to come the second time, people are going to be afraid, but nobody's afraid of a baby. And for single guys, a little, little, little uh, tip for you here. Find somebody with a baby to hang out with. They're girl magnets, right? Yeah, so hang out with people that, you know, uh, uh, niece, nephew, friends, baby, whatever. On the other hand, why was he a man? Well, the scripture makes it clear he had to come as, a, as one of us to understand what it means to be one of us, to be a man. Uh, mankind, human being, uh, deal with the temptations and the struggles and so forth, what it means to be a man. So because of Christmas, I can renew my faith. I say, yeah, yeah, I used to believe that, but I kind of had some doubts, but no, 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 now I am renewing my faith, or I'm beginning my faith journey. Yes, I believe. See, most people believe there's a God. The problem is most people don't believe God really cares about them and really loves them and truly knows them personally and loves them enough to take care of them. First, the most important thing, our relationship with God, and then secondly, whatever our needs here on earth. So what is the good news? I'm going to read something Paul wrote. He describes it this way. You see, in the good news, what? God's restorative justice is revealed. What does that mean? Okay, so. All of us have messed up. The Bible calls that sin. That has separated us from God because God is perfect. Can't hang out with us <laughs> mere mortals that are imperfect. So, the wages of sin or the cost of sin is death. That's why we're all going to have to die, physically anyway. For justice to be fulfilled, there ha something has to die. So, if for me not to die, someone else has to die for me. So justice can be fulfilled or restored. And so Jesus came to earth. He lived a perfect life, which means he didn't need to die, didn't deserve to die. So when he died, he could die in somebody else's place. He could pay somebody else's way. In fact, he paid everybody else's way, <laughs> your way and my way. 
to restore relationship with God. And we will see it begins with and ends with faith. Now, I've just told you how and what to do, but it's up to you and I to, to believe it. By faith, the just will obtain life because it's called uh, being born again or eternal life. Yeah, these bodies are going to die, but I'm going to spend eternity with God because of Jesus. Now, a lot of people believe that God's kind of up there looking down, trying to angry at us for, for messing up and wanting to zap us. And that's why bad things are happening to me because God's angry with me. Something that's been said a lot, not by me, just by me, by many people. God's never going to love you anymore than he does right now. Doesn't matter what else you do in your life. He's not going to ever love you any less than you do, he does right now, no matter what you and I do that we shouldn't do in the rest of our lives. And I think parents can understand that. Those of you that are parents, do you love, at some points in your life, do you love your kids more or less than you did at other times? You might not like them as much. <laughs> you might not have to prove with some of the stuff. But your love for them never changes. So if we can do that, <clears throat> as physical human beings, being certainly God can do that. So, God loves you. He's never going to love you anymore. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. He just wants you to accept that gift, join his family, have an eternal relationship with him. So let go of your <clears throat> unbelief. Um, another emotion, Grinch emotion that we deal with is guilt, shame. Um, let me ask you, do you feel worthy? of God's presence? I, I, don't. I don't. I haven't done anything to deserve it. Um, but I had enough faith to believe it and I trust it and now I have this relationship with God. But it's easy for us to feel guilty about stuff we've done in the past. It's easy for us to feel guilty about stuff we haven't done. Stuff we've said that we shouldn't have said. Stuff we've even thought. So what's the angel say to the shepherds? that can help us deal with our guilt. He said, Today in the city of David, a liberator has been born for you. He is the promised anointed one, the supreme authority. We would call it the Messiah, the Savior, the Rescuer. All right, so we're all slave to sin and death. Jesus Christ comes to liberate us, to save us, to rescue us. Why do we need it? Well, I just explained that to you. Because our sin separates us from God. And heaven where God dwells and where believers will dwell one day is a perfect place. I've never met a perfect person. So consequently, none of us have got a chance of getting into heaven. Reality, right? Uh, you've got to be 100% perfect to get it. And I'm not, you're not, nobody is. So consequently, heaven would be empty. Reality would be. But God didn't want it to be empty. He loved his creation. And so he sent Jesus to, to live, to suffer, and to die, and to, to rise from the dead to conquer death. So you and I can have eternal relationship with him. So because of Christmas, I can and you can receive forgiveness, eternal forgiveness. I don't know the origin of this. I've seen it in Christmas cards before. It says this. If our greatest need was information, 
he would have sent us an educator. Jesus was a great teacher, but that's not why he came. If our greatest need was technology, and there's amazing technology today, isn't there? He would have sent us a scientist, and we thank God for the scientists. If our greatest need was money, he would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need was pleasure, he would have sent us an entertainer. There's lots of great entertainers out there, but that wasn't or isn't our greatest need. What is our greatest need? Our greatest need is forgiveness. Be forgiven of God in our, for our sins to reestablish a relationship with Him. So He sent us a Savior, a Liberator. How do you do it? How do you receive it? By admitting it. I need it. <laughs> and accepting by faith the fact that Jesus died for you. Now, admitting is hard. I love the old illustration of a lifeguard. Maybe you're a lifeguard. I've never been a lifeguard. But if you're drowning and you're flailing around in the water, the lifeguard's going to let you just keep doing that. Because the most dangerous thing for him or her to do is to get involved in that because you'll pull them down with you and both drown. So the lifeguard waits till you give up. Admit you can't save yourself. Get exhausted from saving yourself. Then the lifeguard, with their training, come in and, and save you easily. So the same thing with us and God. We've got to admit we can't do it ourselves. Can't ever get 100%. Can't ever be perfect. And our problem is, often I think, is that we believe God kind of grades on a curve. Well, God doesn't grade on a curve. Heaven's a play for perfect place. Like one grandson says he's got 100 and some percent in a and we got some teachers, I know, in our congregation. How do you get 100 and some, some percent? Well, extra credit or something. But anyway, one of his classes, he got over 100%. All we need is 100% to get in heaven, but none of us can get there on our own. So Paul, again, in Romans, says it this way. We are made right with God. We are restored to that relationship by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, not in ourselves or anything we can do. And this is true for everyone. So the neat thing is we all get there the same way. And I don't have any special way to get there or you don't have any special way to get there. It's all the same. True for everyone who believes, no matter who we are, doesn't matter where we live in this world, what color skin we have, what language we speak, that's why missions are so important. It also doesn't matter what you've done. There's no caveat. Well, you've done something that makes you, excludes you or nothing that you're ever going to do will exclude you. Our problem is we compare. We can always find people, I'm better than this person, I'm better than this person. You know, I think I deserve to go to heaven. Well, heaven doesn't work that way. <laughs> You've got to be perfect to get in. Or somebody's got to pay for you to be perfect to get in. And that's what Jesus has done if you accept the gift. So we get to, before we get to the fourth Grinch emotion, we're going to watch the Grinch. Two sides is too small. But whatever the reason, his heart will be 
Okay, so what's the Grinch's problem? He looked down in Whoville, he saw everybody was happy, and he wasn't happy. He resented their happiness, didn't he? So I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, resentment. I think probably this year than any other year, this is going to be an issue for people, an emotional issue. It may be resent just an inanimate thing like COVID, <laughs> uh, government response, not response, the drug companies, they haven't you know, figured this out yet, doctors, nurses, I, I don't know who you resent. Um, resent uh, the fact that you know you have less money resent the fact that there's less stuff out there to buy I don't know it's just so easy for us to be resentful this year and of course dealing with family uh, or friends or ex-friends or ex-family um, is often a lot of resentment the way they treated you or not treated you um, Someone has said this, there's a sap in every family tree. <laughs> you may have one in, and probably all have one in our, our family tree. And, and it's easy just to be resentful. Why, why isn't that person nicer? Why doesn't that person treat me that way? Et cetera, et cetera. So probably all of us have some unresolved uh, issues in some relationship. And, a, and one way I think you can identify resentment is if, you've kind of lo- if you're a Jesus follower, if you're not, we're glad that you're listening. And hope you can uh, learn a lot from today's uh, teaching. But um, if you kind of lost your spark, and it, it's kind of easy to do with, with all the restrictions now, you kind of lost your spiritual spark, check and see if you might not have some resentment. Even resentment against God. God, why are you letting this happen? Why are you letting this happen to the church? Uh, scripture says, we quoted it often, you can't be right with God if you're not right with your brothers and sisters, people around you. So resentment is a huge problem. So what did the heavenly choir say to uh, the shepherds? Well, they're actually worshiping God. They said to the highest heaven, highest of the universe, glory to God and on earth, peace among all people who bring pleasure to God. So because of Christmas, we can rebuild relationships. We can have peace. So just encourage you to take the first step, whatever that might be. Make a phone call, make a visit, uh, send a text, send an email. There's so many ways to kind of try and reestablish that relationship, rebuild it. And I know the pushback, well, I've tried, you know, I've gotten to try this a dozen times. Uh, we have a situation in our family we tried many times, and finally, uh, s- several months ago, uh, there was a breakthrough. So, if it doesn't work this time, you haven't lost anything. And then maybe next time it will. So the scripture says, as much as it depends on you or me, be at, live at peace with everyone. 
Is there somebody you're not at peace with? I encourage you to make that, take that first step in trying to rebuild that relationship. Uh, later in Romans, Paul says this. I think it's a good word for us. Such things were written in the Scripture long ago to teach us. Teach us what? To give us hope and encouragement. So, hope and encouragement at rebuilding these relationships. As we wait patiently for God's promise to be fulfilled. So you do your part and then wait patiently for God to do His part. The ha- happy relationships are a result of what? May God, next verse, gi- who gives the patience and encouragement, so that's the source, God will give it to us, help us live in complete harmony with each other. Live in complete, total, 100% harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Jesus Christ. So are you emotionally ready for Christmas? I guess is probably all of us need a little work in this area. It's interesting at Christmas time, if, if you look under the tree and there's no gifts for you, it's kind of not much joy, is there? No gift, no joy. So let me ask you, what's the longest night in the year? Calendar says it's December 21st. But any of us have been children, and we all have been. What's the longest night? December what? 24th. As a kid, my sister's here. A kid, only day of the year I remember getting up before the sun came up was December 25th. So, are you anticipating? Are you encouraged? Are you excited about this Christmas season? So I'm going to give you a take home, something to think about. doesn't have to be one of these four. It could be some other negative emotion. What grins in motion do you most struggle with? Maybe envy. I thought of envy. Talking, can't talk about them all this morning. Uh, whatever it is, figure out what it is, and then do this. Release it. Let it go. Give it to God. And sometimes we take it back, and you may have to give it to God again. So that's my encouragement to you this, this morning. Let me pray with you and let you go. Father God, thank you. We thank you for this narrative, this wonderful narrative, Christmas story. Thank you for... Uh, the account of, of the shepherds, me- uh, the message of the angel to the shepherds as words of encouragement to us. And God, this is an emotionally difficult time. Well, COVID has been, especially it's complicated or, uh, by Christmas. So we pray, God, that we would release these uh, Grinch emotions, whatever they might be. Let them go, give them to you so we can truly celebrate the reason for the season. If anybody is not a Jesus follower, we tried to explain as best we could this morning how you can do that and why you need to do that. And it, we call that grace. It's a free gift of God. And uh, it's just like that Christmas morning. You get up, you just take that gift with your name on it, open it. So God gift is His Son, Jesus. It has your name on it. So we pray that you would accept that gift, uh, receive God's forgiveness, enter into a relationship with Him. And if you've made that decision, or when you make that decision, Please let us know so we can help you. Uh, Father God, we thank you for the Christmas season. It's a wonderful time to celebrate. And help us be prepared, both mentally, and spiritually, as well as emotionally. We thank you in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.